Hello, everybody. We've got an urgent update, and then we've got something extra coming for you in tonight's podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better, because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Well, hello and welcome to the podcast. We appreciate you being here. Today is September 26th of 2022, and this is episode number 274. Woohoo! Now, we're going to start with some updates on some hurricanes. And first, I want to bring you up to date, if you haven't been following, on Fiona. Fiona went on up the East Coast, and it impacted, made landfall in Nova Scotia, Mm. and it has affected the eastern seaboard of Canada. Oh, my. There are several hundred thousand people without power. Uh Uh-oh. At least 200 that have been totally displaced from their homes. Oh, dear. And one, as I understand, was killed in Nova Scotia. Oh, that's a, that's a sorrowful report. Our thoughts and prayers are with those folks Certainly as well. Are. Now, right now, we are facing an upcoming hurricane, and that is Ian. You know, the last time I checked today, it was a tropical storm, but it's upgrading now to a hurricane. Last night, it was a tropical storm, but today it should become a hurricane. And that's hence the urgency of this particular insert into tonight's normally scheduled podcast. We're doing this urgent update. Right. It should be a hurricane this morning, Monday morning, and it should be approaching Cuba this afternoon, Monday evening. So, All right. Now... There's some timelines that we want to look at very, very briefly, and that is that tropical storm winds will be arriving Wednesday morning to Thursday morning, depending on what area of the coast you live in, though it could affect South Florida as early as Tuesday. So we've got a little bit of time here. We don't really know where this thing's going, but it's likely to become a hurricane today and a major hurricane on Tuesday. Oh, dear. So we really want to alert those southern United States, Florida residents, Mm -hmm. anyone. uh, Is it more of a Gulf side or an Atlantic side? No, it's Gulf. It's Gulf. So it's it's coming coming into the Gulf. Okay. And it will impact somewhere in Florida over to the Panhandle, down to something like Punta Gorda or something like that. Okay. Uh, The peninsula or the panhandle could be affected by this. Now, it's too early to predict a landfall. Right, but that's why we are watching a hurricane as often as we can. You do at least have several days, Mm -hmm. in most cases, of some heads up on this. We just don't want anyone caught by surprise. At least before landfall. But now remember, landfall is only the center of the eye. Some of these hurricanes can be 100 miles wide on either side of that eye. Exactly. And wind is one factor, and water's going to be another. Now, on the eastern side of the eye, you're going to have a much heavier storm surge. 
and that can wreak havoc across an area. Oh, certainly. When we talk about a major hurricane, we're talking about a Cat 3 or above. Uh Uh-huh. So this is not necessarily something that we need to sneeze at and say, oh, I'll just ride it out. We need to be on our toes and also keep in mind that these hurricanes can spawn tornadoes. Yes, they certainly can. There's going to be a lot of instability uh, surrounding all of the system that this is going to bring in. We need to stay tuned to our NOAA weather radio or the local TV coverage. We need to be checking at least daily as this models, the, and they look like spaghetti right now. They have this thing going all over the place. But we need to be checking as this thing narrows down and as it approaches landfall and get a better idea of where it's going to be. But we need to have at least two ways to receive warnings on any hurricanes or tornado warnings that we might be... That might be affecting us, right? Right, that might be affecting us. You know, we recently did a hurricane episode, but due to the imminent threat to Florida, Alabama, and the south coast of Georgia, we wanted to use this time as a quick, urgent update and a reminder, if we are in the potential impact area, what should we do? Well, now you you look at the map and you see that wide cone. Mm-hmm. If we're anywhere near that, we need to be checking our preps. Okay. We need to be heads up and we need to be making a final check of our preps. And we should have in place already our evacuation plan. Yeah. When to leave and where to go. Exactly. And go north, go east, whatever it yeah, gets get, you out of right. the track of that hurricane. And know when you plan to leave and leave early. Now, we need to check our food and water preps. Right, because, uh, you know, people are already beginning to make some purchases at big box stores and wholesale clubs. And friends of mine that live in Florida are already seeing emptied shelves where the generators are sold out now and the plywood's going. There's no more cases of water. So you're going to need to uh, stock up. If you don't have those things, you may need to drive a little ways right now to get those if you are leaving. Yes, if you're leaving, if you're staying, you can stock up water in just about anything that can hold it. You can put it into pots, pans, you can fill the bathtub up. That's where a water bob would come in great and give you 75, 80 gallons of water in the tub Mm -hmm. that would be clean, usable, drinkable water. And you're going to see some of those supply chain issues due to power outages And you're also going to see road blockages. Right. You've also got to think about if your power, if you're staying there and your power goes out, you've got to be able to uh, heat food without electricity or eat safe food that's not heated. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sandwich stuff would be great. But, you know, if you're out of power for two or three weeks, sandwich stuff's going to get old. Yeah, anything. Hopefully, (laughs) you already have that little propane stove or some other way. Yeah. And worst case scenario, Build a little fire out in the backyard and cook over the fire. Yeah, I mean, you can even build a fire in a clay flower pot, you mm-hmm. know, if you have to. We used to do something similar. We'd use charcoal when we were fishing at night, and it was about 15 degrees. Mm. And we had about two inches of dirt in a flower pot, and we put about two or three bricks of charcoal and lit that and had it out in front of our feet in the boat And I'm not saying it was the safest thing because it was a gas-operated boat. Oh, dear. But we didn't have it near the gas tanks. And that allowed us to keep our hands 
fairly warm as we were fishing. But that's an aside. Now's the time to have everything charged. You know, your cell phones, Mm -hmm. your flashlights, check those battery supplies, your LED lanterns, that sort of thing. Yeah, and don't forget those power banks that hopefully you have that will charge your cell phone four or five times. And speaking of cell phones... If you are in an impact area and you need to get a message out, your cell phone may not be working, but if it's just overloaded, you may get a text message out a lot quicker. Right, because text message doesn't require as much bandwidth. Exactly. But now if all the towers are down, all bets are off. You're probably not getting out unless you've got ham radio or something like that. Exactly. Have your vehicles gassed up. Yes, go and get that gas now because when it's at the last minute, and a lot of folks may decide later on at the last minute that they're going to evac after all, they're going to be the ones to find out that the gas stations have mm-hmm. closed up, the tanks, are, the uh, pumps are dry. And have some gas for the emergency generators. Oh, yes. And yeah. if you haven't started that generator in a while, go out there and start it and run it for a few minutes. You want to make sure that it's operating exactly. and that you know how to do make it. Make sure it'll start. And we need to have our medications gathered and secured. And also important documents like insurance forms or, you know, that type of thing that you would find needful or necessary if you're having to leave. You want to back up your documents on computer and perhaps maybe scan that to a thumb drive. And I would include photographs of that, especially valuable things, antiques, things that you could not carry with you. I mean, you can't take the whole house with you. Right. But you might want to have photographs of those things just in case you have to argue with insurance companies after the fact. You also want to have some cash. So go to that ATM or that bank when you've got an opportunity because debit and credit card machines may not be operational in a long-term power outage situation. Exactly. Exactly. Just a reminder of what we need to have in place ahead of time. And we can board up and batten down if the area of certainty zeroes in on us. But this is just some things that we should already have in place. And now's the time to do that final check to make sure we don't have holes in our preps. Now, let's take a break and we'll come back and talk about some survival items that were chosen by participants of the TV show alone. Oh, cool. And we'll be right back. You know that part-time business you've been doing for a while? Maybe it's time to take it to the next level and really see what it can do. Sometimes all it takes is a little push or a little help from the right people. The folks at ProLine Digital Group are the right people when it comes to your website or growing your business through digital marketing. I've used a lot of website hosting over the years, and honestly, ProLine Digital has been the best I've ever used. In the last two years, we've had exactly zero minutes of outage or downtime. That's reliability. So whether you want an informative site, an online store, or to start online marketing, check out ProLine Digital Group. They're linked from our website or go to ProLineDigitalGroup.com. We have gone through a lot of hand sanitizer over the last couple of years. Most of it's alcohol-based, which can sting sore spots, dries out your skin, and stops killing germs once it dries out. Well, we found a hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free, it smells great, it feels good on the skin, and it keeps killing germs for up to two hours after you've applied it. 
Clean Start also works as an antiseptic. It kills germs for up to two hours, and it doesn't burn when you put it on like other antiseptics will burn. Our little grandchildren really like that. Clean Start's great for prepping, too. It comes as a 40X concentrate. A three and a half ounce bottle makes a gallon, so it's easy to store multiple bottles. Clean Start hand sanitizer and antiseptic. Get it from our website where there's a 25% discount. All right, we are back. Now, are you familiar with the TV show Alone? I remember when it first aired some time ago that uh, it was a fascinating concept It where, it's, you know, individual persons were selected or volunteered to basically participate in a survivalist contest. And they agreed to be taken to a wilderness area somewhere on the planet and to be deposited away from one another. They were a single individual person, not even a camera crew. Hence the word alone. They were utterly and completely alone. Now, they weren't naked and afraid like that other show. They had clothing and they could take more items with them. We'll get into that in a minute. But the whole idea was that these people were going to survive in their wilderness without one another and, you know, maybe a mile or so away from each other. Mm-hmm. And the idea is how long can you last? until you either tap out or you win the game. And I think it's a half a million dollars. Exactly. The winner gets a half a million dollars. The last person stick it out, you know, for Mm -hmm. that length of time. And there's no set timeline. No. I mean, we don't know how long somebody could go a year, you know, (laughs) if it's down to the last two and they're just, you know, grizzly atoms and (laughs) this thing might be a year and the producers might have to say, Hey, Uh, we're going to declare two winners. I don't know. Well, apparently this television program that's been on the History Channel, I think A&E also picked it up. Anyway, it's become so popular that they've now done nine seasons of Mm -hmm. the show alone, and they've gone to various locations uh, during different seasons of the year and uh, put these people out in the frank wilderness just to see how well they would survive with their shelters and their mindset and their And they got to choose 10 survival items of their choosing. And I thought that was pretty interesting, uh, that they were allowed to select whatever 10 items that they wanted to bring. So we're going to talk about what do some of these seasoned survivalists choose when they have an assignment like this? Well, recently... Krista and I had the opportunity to meet one of the contestants or participants of Season 9, and that was Dr. Timogen Tan. Dr. T. Dr. T, as we call him. And by the way, Dr. T will be doing Survival Con in Alabama in the spring of 2023. We're so excited about that. And Survival Con is going to be a new annual survival conference and there'll be classes there'll be all kinds of things and dr t will be there teaching survival or wilderness medicine he is an actual certified doctor he is an md but he has an interest in wilderness medicine mm -hmm. uh, survivalist medicine he's got some military background he's a young fellow he's just in his early 30s but uh, a very wise and a very kind person, and he learned a lot on the season nine of Alone. And we will have an interview coming up with him very, very shortly. 
but that's just an aside. And what we want to talk about now is some of the survival items that were selected by these participants and learn how important some of these could be to us in a survival situation. Okay. Now, we've searched through all Season 9 participants, and many of the participants back even to Season 1. So you're saying that each participant is allowed to bring 10 survival items of their choice. With some limitations. Oh, with limitations. You cannot, okay. you cannot bring firearms. Gotcha. I know that is a limitation you can't bring. You can't bring backpacks full of food, you know. Oh, well, okay. You're going to have to be hunting your food. You're going to have to be trapping it, fishing it. You can't it. bring a camping tent. No. You have to build your shelter. You have to build shelter. your shelter. Yeah, okay. And the environment that they were in, they were in Labrador, Canada. It's in a subarctic area of northern, northeastern Canada. Well, I know it got cold. They were dropped in in late fall and were there long enough for the snows to come. Oh, yes. In fact, the last one out went out in snow, and he made it 78 days. It's phenomenal. Now, Dr. T made it 63 days, which is totally phenomenal in itself. Mm -hmm. I think I might last 6.3 hours. Oh, I might have got 63 minutes, maybe. Yeah, that (laughs) might be good. So let's talk about some of the universal things that seem to be on pretty much everyone's list. Yeah, there were seven or eight items that we found that were pretty much universal. And we've compiled a list of the choices of those. And we've compiled a list of some of the choices of some of the other things. But this first list is somewhat universal. Now, since they're going to be in sub-zero and sub-freezing temperatures, they brought a sleeping bag. Makes sense. Everyone that I looked at brought a sleeping bag. They also brought a bow and nine arrows. Yeah, and Dr. T said it was the first time he'd ever bow hunted. Wow. He was not an expert with a bow when he went, but he got pretty good at it. I guess so. And so that was their weapon. That was the thing that they were able to take small game with. I see. They even shot grouse with them, Hmm. and uh, they ate a lot of grouse. Yeah, but one thing Dr. Tan told us, too, is which was a bit surprising. In fact, all the contestants were interviewed about it. Wild game was Mm -hmm. not as plentiful as they may have once thought. In fact, it was rather on the rare side. Well, it's winter, and they're looking for a place to hole up. and Exactly. So it's not like they were walking through the woods and they were able to just, hey, there's there's deer, there's a fox, there's an owl, there's a squirrel, there's a turk. No, they saw precious little wildlife. There was fishing opportunities, Mm -hmm. but that was... But Even lean. mostly there were some squirrels that they were able mm-hmm. to take and mostly grouse, yeah. and, from what I understand. Okay, back to our list. The second thing that we found pretty common, and there's some variety in these, but there was some type of wood-cutting implement. Right, so there's some, yeah, something that they, they chose. And there were several things that kind of made the wood-cutting implement list. Mostly axes. Yeah, there were a lot of axes across all seasons. And then there was some there was a machete on a few of them. Mm-hmm. And there was a cross cut saw, a folding saw, and a bow saw. And so most people took some type of wood cutting implement. Now that would be very important for building a shelter. Sure. And for collecting firewood. Absolutely. 
Now, I saw one of them that carried a 26-inch axe, single-head okay. axe. Okay. And I'm really starting to think about that. That, that would be good. really handy. That'd be a lot more handy than a double-bit axe. Well, it might give you a lot more strength and power, something of that size, to be able to cut larger limbs. And, and it's not as heavy as like a double-bit axe, yes. a double-bladed axe. and. Yeah. So it's not going to wear you out quite as much. Now, the bigger axe might cut faster, but the smaller axe is going to use less energy when it'd it be, comes to Yeah, that. it'd be lighter to carry, mm-hmm. lighter to use. So a wood-cutting implement. Okay. We need to have something like that. Here's something else that several people brought, and that's good old paracord. Yeah, this, this was almost universal. I think I found one participant that did not take paracord. Now, there may have been more, but I think I found one. And uh, paracord's just a very, very useful thing. I mean, we can use it in so many things. You know, you can lash together branches mm-hmm. to create some of your shelter mm-hmm. as well. So, I mean, it's just one thing. And a ferro rod. Good old ferro rod. Now, we talk about fire starting, and we do carry ferro rods. We both have ferro rods in our bag, but we go the easy route. We well, like the big lighters. Well, we're also not trying to be survivalists in the deep forest for 60-plus right. days either. Right. And so we do need some type of fire device, fire starting device. And we actually carry several. We carry not only a ferro rod. We carry big lighters in our bag. We carry old-fashioned matches. And old-fashioned mm-hmm. matches. Sure. And, of course, we carry tinder to use with that. And we can find bigger stuff along the way. Now, a lot of them carried trapping wire. That was pretty much universal. Now, when you say trapping wire. Something to make snares, make traps out of to be able to catch small game. Now, hunting, you have to be there at the same time as the game. With trapping, with snares, you can set your traps today, go back and check them tomorrow. Exactly. So, And you can set multiple traps, and most of them did. And that's where the term trap line comes from. Oh, okay. We've got this line of traps. And so that was something that was very, very useful. And that trapping wire also, or, or snare wire, could be used for binding. It could be used for... Oh, yes, because it's 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 small and bendable and... Mm-hmm. And it's dozens strong. of uses. Now, every single one of them that I looked at carried fishing line and hooks. Makes total sense. Now, one of them carried 30-pound line and 80-pound line. I don't know what you're going to be catching up there that you need 80-pound line, but you could also use that for lashing and other stuff. That's something I've noticed about the show alone is that, for the most part, they did try to position these contestants you know, within a short walking distance of some body of mm-hmm. water. Uh, so they weren't having to go, you know, hike for miles. Probably many of them on the same river. They just yeah, couldn't see one another. Possibly one on another. opposite sides of okay. the river, spaced apart. Yeah, so that's good. But something to fish, to fish with, with yeah. fishing line yeah, and absolutely. hooks. And you can also make flies with those hooks. You mm-hmm. can... Make artificial bait. If somebody who's really good at making those fly fishing lures, mm-hmm. that would that would help in the pretty much any season of year if you're fishing. And in most places, you could always dig up the grub and put him on a hook. Use that. Old school. Old school. Now, most carried a two-quart pot. Okay. That's a half a gallon pot. Yeah. 
And so you can carry ample amount of water. You can boil it. You can cook in it. Mm -hmm. You can do whatever you need there. Sure. And then most carried a multi-tool. Now, when you say multi-tool, you're talking about one of these like Gerber knife type things? Like Gerber that has the pliers and the saw and the knife blade and the screwdrivers and things on it. Uh, Gerber makes them. uh, Leatherman makes them. I've carried both of those. And there are many other brands. But interestingly, I didn't see very few across the entire group that I looked at carried a knife, what we would term a knife, like a long fixed blade knife. Oh, interesting. And so I... You know, many of the things that would need to be done with a knife could be done with that axe or that multi-tool. Right. Like filleting a fish or exactly. something Exactly. Like You've that. got about four-inch bl- uh, knife, three-and-a-half, four-inch blade knife in that multi-tool. So you could use that for skinning. You could use it for filleting fish. Any number of things. Okay, so then the coming up, this is some interesting asides of some of the individual items that are, were carried by some of those. And four of the contestants carried 12-foot by 12-foot tarps. And that makes total sense to me. Yeah. You can make adequate shelter because they went in before the snow started. If you had rain, it would keep the rain off of you. And so many of them made a temporary shelter with their tarp. And then as they built their shelter, their more permanent shelter, and interestingly, almost every one of these put some kind of fireplace, stove, chimney in there where they could burn inside. It had a chimney to take out the smoke. And they were built out of clay and rocks and things like that. So it was really, really interesting the way they did that. And then some of them use that tarp over the shelter, and then they put more insulation on top of that tarp. Yeah, some were able to find moss Mm -hmm. and build up several inches worth of insulation Mm -hmm. with the the wild moss that they found. And so you could put debris on top of that, and if you do have melting snow, if you did have rain, then that would further waterproof your shelter. And some carried gill nets. You Mm -hmm. had to explain to me what a gill net is. It's a fishing net that we in the United States are not allowed to use. It's uh, it's good at catching fish, but they were able to carry gill nets. And basically you stretch it between two points in a body of water and it will trap the fish that comes into it. So they they go in head first and And they they get get trapped because it traps up around their gill flesh Mm -hmm. And that's essentially is a hookless way to fish. It's a hookless way to fish. But in a survival situation, a gill net is a great thing to have. Oh, certainly. If you're around a body of water. And it looks like one of the participants listed an actual knife. But like you said, surprisingly, that was a rare item of choice Mm -hmm. that they opted for And how many times do we talk about we need a good knife in our bug out bag? We've talked about that a lot. And we do. And I'm not saying we can't. Uh, I like, I mean, we both have fairly adequate knives and you could do some chopping with our knives if you had to, not Mm -hmm. large stuff. But now several listed a water bottle or a canteen. So maybe they would take some water in their pot and boil it, let it cool down and then fill their canteen with filtered purified water. Exactly. 
So not a bad idea. I guess so. Now I found this one interesting. One took a bar of soap. I guess somebody decided they're going to stay clean out there in the wilderness. Well, if there's snow on the ground, I am not getting in the river. Ooh, just to be honest. Now I know you can heat up some water and you can take a, you know, sponge type bath, but (laughs) I'm I'm not going personally. Now I'm not saying that I don't have soap in my uh, get home bag because I actually do. But I'm not going to use that as one of only 10 items that I can take. Now, another listed a pan, and I guess that was a frying pan or something like that. Oh, I was about to say something different than a pot. And you could use it very similar to a pot. Mm -hmm. You would actually be able to do frying and stuff with it, but I still think you could do that with a pot. Now, there was something, and I actually had to ask Dr. Tan about this, and you can explain more of it. But several of them listed emergency rations. Now, this was not like they could carry MREs or something, although I did see one that said food rations, and I'm not exactly sure what was in it. But the emergency rations, you could choose what you carried in it, and there was probably a limited amount that you could carry. I think it was a certain amount of ounces Mm -hmm. of of whatever you chose to take in for some sort of backup nutrition they called it backup nutrition some people really brought a lot of protein but dr tan did a little research on that before he left and he decided to bring salt and sugar and rice Mm -hmm. and you're not going to find a lot of non-protein in the middle of the woods in the wintertime exactly he was talking about and being a medical doctor he understands the nutritional balances And so there were times he would add a bit of sugar to his diet or a bit of salt to his diet, or he might do a small amount of rice. Because he knew from experience that he would be entering into, and indeed did, a form of starvation Mm -hmm. as the days wore on. You can imagine he's not taking in the normal amount of calories that he would back in his regular life. And his medical and his military experience had already taught him that. So that was one of the reasons he, those last three contestants lasted longer than the previous seven that they started with Mm -hmm. because the previous seven opted to bring different nutritional elements, but it didn't sustain them as long. And so that was a big deal breaker for them. And a deal maker for them. Our idea here is to see what some of the gear that was used by the participants who survived alone anywhere from several days up to the winter surviving 78 days in season nine. The second runner up was a female. She Mm -hmm. lasted 75 days. And that was pretty amazing. I mean, again, when you think about it, They were utterly alone. All of the video and filming and pictures and photo documenting, they did themselves. Mm -hmm. They set up their own tripods and their own. Yeah, he was talking about if you see them walking up a hill, that means they've already gone up the hill, placed a camera, gone back down the hill, and filmed themselves going back up the hill. So, you know. They actually had to set the shot. Exactly. They They would have to walk ahead, strap a camera to a tree, Mm -hmm. walk back, and then walk forward. And then they'd edit out the walking down part. Exactly. All of that, (laughs) not the participant, but the production crew later would edit all of that. They were all supplied with a satellite phone and uh, they could tap out. Mm 
you know, when they wanted to. And so, in my opinion, anyone that lasted any length of time out there is not a loser. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> not there were no losers stretch. on this. Now, you mentioned the satellite phone. One of the things that they would do is there would be a crew come in on some period of time and check their health. They did have medical. They had a medical check. They had a medical check every so however many days. And I don't know how long that was. But on day 78, now the lady lasted to day 75. Yep. On day 78, they called him and said, we're going to come in about an hour to do a medical check. Okay, I'll be waiting for you. Two helicopters come in and land wherever it was they were able to land and walked in. And what he did not know, he thought he was just going through the normal medical check. And they had brought his girlfriend with them. And she came up from behind him and she was within a foot of him when he knew she was there and she told him that he had won. Yeah, and that so, was great. Who knows how much longer he could have gone. <laughs> yeah. But he's the winner. Let's go ahead and get this down. That was pretty cool. Now, thankfully, we are not limited to only 10 items. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Although some of us can overpack at times if we're going into the woods. Yeah. And, you know, ounces become pounds and pounds become pain. But it's good to see what these survivalists chose. And it may help us in making our choices. Anything else you want to add? Well, you know, I'm glad that we're not alone. I'm mm-hmm. glad that we're surviving together. Uh, but, you know, practical prepping could very well affect some of our listeners may have to find themselves alone or in a wilderness situation. And perhaps you might want to tune in to some of these episodes just to gain some new knowledge and to see that not only the physical survival, but I really challenge you to listen to some of their mental and emotional evaluations of themselves. Every one of them came away from this experience changed for the better. Absolutely. And it was fascinating to see them evolve as people when they, from day one until the day they walked out of the woods. It's, uh, it's kind of, I would say encouraging for the future of humanity. And we do appreciate you being here with us today and we will see you next time. You can reach us on Facebook at Practical Prepping. You can email us at info at practicalprepping.info. And our website is practicalprepping.info. And remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.